Welcome to Out of the Box Performance, a place where we interview people who think and perform outside of the box, a place for inspiration, information, and community. I'm here, your hostess with the mostess, Dominique Doyle, performance psychologist, ready to take you on a journey. So buckle on in and let's go. Welcome to Out of the Box Performance. We're on to episode five and we've got Mandy Napier here again. So it's part two. We are so privileged to have you here, Mandy. Thank you for coming on board. We've had a little break over the weekend and we're back in in communication again. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I think we might have gone on for the rest of the evening on Friday. So it's great to be able to split it up because I know as we were talking, we keep finding more and more and more and more. (laughs) We're getting excited with all the topics. We decided a good topic to talk about today is over-responsibility. And we have different people that we work with who we see might take on a lot of responsibility. People who might want to always get the job done regardless of how much they have on their life and uh, maybe maybe needing to find that balance. But let's get into that topic a little bit. I might hit it off with you, Mandy. What, what does over-responsibility look like in your field and with people that you work with? Cool. Thank, thanks, uh, Dominic. So, hey, let's just frame up. We all must take responsibility for our lives and it's part of, I guess, a mindset for success. And it's, it's very, very common for high achievers you'll, or high performers. You're not going to achieve what you do if you don't take responsibility. However, like all traits in life, they have a flip side. So the flip side of responsibility, which is really common with high performers, high achievers, whether they're in business or sports, is to be take responsibility for everything for their results, for when things go wrong, for other people. And and I guess how I see it in businesses is perhaps the difference here is that some people, entrepreneurs and those who own businesses are aware that they have people that work for them. So they have a responsibility to them, which often goes above and beyond an, an everyday responsibility. They also have responsibility if, to their families. So quite often, they're not very good at sharing. They bottle all of the stuff up because a lot of them can't speak and don't feel they could speak to their their team and their staff. And then they also don't want to burden it with their families. So when you add all of those extra responsibilities, plus the responsibility that high performers have to achieve great results and improve, when things go wrong, they add that to their mix as well. And, and I have a client right now who is overly responsible. And having said that, a lot of the seeds came from when he was young. We talked about that a little bit last time, but he was programmed to be responsible for everybody. So when you put all of those things together, we waste energy, we cause more stress, and then we take our energy away from getting into flow and perhaps creating the results with a a little bit more ease and effort. Mm, That's good context there, Mandy. And there's some research behind people who take a lot of responsibility drawn back to their childhood. And sometimes it comes from a place of guilt. Uh, Sometimes it comes from a place of people pleasing. They feel that they need to take on 
on someone else's issues because they might be empathetic. So they want to sort of fix that that problem or they feel that need to take that feeling away so that person doesn't hurt. All sorts of reasons, but there is a draw to childhood, like like most things in yep. our behaviors, yep. that they have that real need or that real feel for responsibility. And it could be unrealistic sort of responsibility too, this unrealistic need or feel that they need to control their environments or they need to control some issue that might come up feelings performance levels hey you hit the nail on the head you should do what I do ha ha funny that (laughs) (laughs) who would have thought (laughs) who would have thought and and it's funny and it's exactly what I helped my client (laughs) uncover the other day and then we set to work to clean the energy of the patterns out but but you're so right Mm. people pleasing it comes from or being made to be responsible from an early age or the pressures as you say with guilt so absolutely and I guess Mm. that's the exciting thing about what I do I can go dig and delve um, and when we find the source then we can you know work out what techniques to do to to release the energy of it that must be really nice for someone who has all the weight on their shoulders of responsibility to then realize hey where is this actually coming from and what can I do to alleviate a bit of that pressure as well oh it, it like anything when we can let the weight of the pressure that we put on ourselves especially when it's an unseen pack because my client wasn't even aware that it, it, it's massive it can be completely life-changing and then you open all this energy up for other possibilities and I'm sure you see this one of the challenges with being over responsible is that people forget to take care of themselves because they're so overly responsible for with other people so suddenly they have this new lens and they go oh maybe I can go and get into exercise that I wasn't doing before or whatever else it might be totally you know one of the best things that I learned and it stuck with me today and I'll give you context around this too before I became a psychologist I was working as the case management role and an acute care role and in the acute care that's the stuff psychiatric ward clients in that role you learn really quickly that you have very small amount of control on what that person will do or what sort of thinking they have and that's something that's carried through and I'm really glad for that experience because now as a psychologist sometimes people come in and and you have a little bit of that responsibility to have to help someone and that responsibility can be quite large and you feel you have to like change this person's perspective or you need to like save them from potential harm to themselves but really that one hour and you can do as much as you can but then that's been really helpful in many regards of well you can't particularly save them and you and you go in with this high responsibility and most of us did uh yeah so it's a powerful sort of learning and Mm. but you can make a huge difference in someone's life still but I think it comes down to is like the main point there was you go in and you're overly responsible you you can wear that pressure on your shoulders and it just wears you down you can burn yourself out yeah and and look thank you for sharing Uh, I probably mentioned to you I was a, a volunteer at Lifeline for a while and I totally get what you're saying there and if I look back on my past life I had quite a big responsibility pattern and interestingly when I set my business up 16 years ago I didn't realize at the time but I put so much pressure on myself exactly like you were saying to make sure that I help them change their lives in one session or or two sessions and I realized that I wanted it more for them sometimes than they did for themselves so I would be literally dragging them across the finish line as you do you know when you've been a former athlete as you know I was the one 
dragging them across the finish line or trying to. And I was getting worn out, quite stressed from the pressure I put on myself. So when I realized that, hey, let this go, it, yeah, it was, it was um, made a massive difference for me too. <laughs> Because you were running the race as well. I was. <laughs> By the sounds of it. <laughs> I was. And and I was so wanted them to change, you know, and we can we can have a massive intention and expectation, but we have to meet people where they are. And I think a classic one, if it's okay that I share, is many totally. years ago I worked with a guy who finally reached out to me. He'd been procrastinating, funnily enough, because that was one of his major problems. And I worked with him on one of my longer programs for a year. And during the course of the year, I thought I'd learnt this too. I would get a little bit frustrated thinking, oh, we're going so slowly. I hope he's getting value from this. And that was my perception. And when we had a long conversation at the end of the first year and he enrolled to keep working with me, he felt he'd made magnificent steps. Whereas in my world, they were tiny steps. But when you come from someone that procrastinated and never got anything done to making a bit of a headway, it was a magnificent shift in his world. So I realised that my responsibility to help him get what I perceived to be brilliant results was way more than what his expectations on himself were so I I really got that lesson then. (laughs) That's that's a cool story and probably really relatable to anyone who works with other people as well. Someone with a high responsibility you'd really question what is the impact and you want to make an impact and I guess that applies across all sorts of people that where their responsibility lies whether it's being a dad, being a mum, busy business people, busy athletes, you name it there's there's so much on people's plates these days and it's so varied and sometimes you are taking stabs in the dark of am I fulfilling whatever the responsibility is that I'm setting myself up to do and like we spoke about last time we were talking a little bit about expectations I think being really clear in what your role is and what you actually expect of yourself is really important. Yeah, very much so. And people have massive responsibilities in all areas of life. So as you said, working out exactly what that means in each area of their life and what they could let go of or what are the consequences by being so responsible and just sharing the load of it can be massive. And, you know, I had one client that even went home and shared with his partner about some of the challenges and he was massively helpful because his partner wanted to care and share, but he wouldn't he wouldn't let her in. So when he did, it, it was a game changer and took so much pressure off. You can apply that to leaders and managers and the everyday person. How can you delegate that little bit in the day? Or is there something that you're doing that is really tiresome? It might not be your forte. It might not be your passion. It might be draining your resources. Is there a way that you can give that to someone else who actually that is their passion? That's something that really interests them. And then does it give you more time to do the thing that you're passionate about or the thing that is providing you with resources? Sources and things. Yeah. And, and I think it, yeah. it was in, say, leadership or business, it comes down to what are the requirements, they say, of today's leader. And I think, and it has been noted, and we spoke about it last time, is that leaders have to be very self-aware. They have to mm-hmm. understand who they are, what's important, and have that level of awareness, compassion, and empathy, and even a smattering, a smattering only, of vulnerability so that they can sometimes ask for help or realise that they can't take the burden of everything on and it's okay to use other people's expertise rather than come Mm. from fear. You know, you've got to come from almost collaboration, which I guess, you know, you work individuals and groups. How do you see, I'm fascinated to hear from you, how does the responsibility play out, let's say, with individuals in a team? And if someone's shooting goals, is that 
a whole new level of responsibility. There's two sides to that. I see some people, they have that pressure, of course, to perform for the team and perform to, there's like KPIs, there's measures, there's pressures to get a certain spot in the ladder. There's uh, sponsors. There's so much pressure to perform well. So they have that pressure and responsibility. Some people have more than others. I think if you're in that more leadership role, you carry if a player's not feeling too good or they, they're bringing a little bit of their pain or suffering onto the court, they may feel that responsibility that they've got to help or take that away to better the performance and things like that. But on the flip side of that, we have this really great support network that not all athletes can benefit from, especially freely. So although there's a lot of pressure and it is an enormous pressure in a team to do what's best for the team and to get the results and one mistake might lead to a lot, I think they know that they're just one little part of the puzzle and they know that if they threw the ball out, for example, and then they ended up losing and it was like a pivotal moment, they work together to know that, hey, it's it's okay. It was all of the lead up to get to that point. It's everybody's responsibility. So they, they kind of share the responsibility responsibility in the team whereas I've have individual athletes where that might just ride on them completely and that might be they've stuffed up and that means that it's them that's the issue and they internalize sometimes Mm. that's something I find yeah I'd be interested on your side too like what you've noticed any trends any patterns yeah, I, th- I think what I've seen, especially after let's the pandemic, is that a lot of my clients who are reasonably entrepreneurial managed to make the changes necessary to get through, and some of them expanded, adapted, and thrived. However, the end result of all that, because you know high, high achievers and high performers will do what's necessary to get the job done. So what's happened as the as the outcome of that is that I'm seeing a lot of people are quite exhausted and almost on the verge of I guess you could say burnout or they've lost their mojo and they've just lost the passion and the joy have gone. They can't feel what they used to do. So I think that's a, a fabulous example of having to change but making sure you don't sink which some people did and making sure that you kept your head above water and perhaps won the race and that has taken a big toll and I think a a classic visual scene of that if I don't know whether you like tennis but I'm sure most people in Australia saw this when we saw Novak Dokovic win I think it was his 10th Australian Open in January he was just overcome with emotions but think of all the responsibility that he had often maybe to people because they wouldn't let him in the country last year and the massive achievement Mm. that he wanted to get and he couldn't get his chance last year and his team and the pressure and he just collapsed and then if you go back to I think it was 2000 when Kathy Freeman had the whole responsibility and weight on her shoulders of Australia and the nation to bring that gold medal home and she was more than spent at the end and I believe it took her quite a bit of time to get over that. So those are big examples, but I'm seeing a bit of that in my in my business and I'm hearing about it out in the in, in the business arena. And I guess it, it has some parallels with high achieving sports stars because the higher they go and the more sponsorship you get and the more responsibility you have, some people thrive and other people it eventually does become a bit too much, even if they might not be aware of the impact. So it's a fine balance. I just can't even imagine what that would be like. Gee, you'd hope that these people really do have their outlets and they're able to grow and adapt. And eventually, I wonder what it's like for them, whether they just completely just shut out the crowd or what. But I I did watch that Djokovic, that final Djokovic game. And yeah, the emotions 
that it was outpouring. It was so nice to see someone be so vulnerable, yeah. to see a, a male figure be so vulnerable. I think it was iconic. And I watched that. I was at the Australian Open and I was really grateful to be there for Sam Stoza's last game, which is really incredible to witness. And same, same goes there. It was just that outpour there was pressure there was a lot of pressure there in terms of performance but it was just the emotion of of finishing something so huge to her and I'm sure that loads now off her shoulders and she she can be Sam she can go and do other parts of her life which is what she expressed in her uh, retirement speech there too but it's huge and and thank you for bringing Sam I know Sam you finished now and she'll probably never listen to this but I've watched Sam over the years (laughs) and I've had this little thing in me that I can see the pressure she's put on herself when she performs at the Australian Open. Like she must take so much responsibility. And that's where you, I believe we've seen the downside of having so much pressure and responsibility in yourself that it impacts your performance. And historically in the single, she hasn't done super I mean she's brilliant but superbly brilliant at the Australian Open and I've often used to say I'm going to ring her up and see if I can help her but hey I never I never took the opportunity but I think that's a classic example of someone that takes all the pressure on the world of whatever the responsibilities they feel they have and it does impact our performance whereas other people can thrive off pressure so I guess it it comes we're all different you know we're all very different but too much pressure ultimately impacts your performance and erodes your energy and can create stress and that's where you can see athletes just completely psych out and you can relate that to business people the everyday person too that we all just have this different threshold and I think that some elite athletes have definitely had to develop that over years where their threshold is and like you said they might have those characteristics where they can sort of perform and they can work with the pressure but even some of the most elite athletes out there they might be doing a lot of arousal control before they even go to a high pressure event and that's okay as long as you know yourself and Mm. perform to your best absolutely and I think the other part of that and I'm sure you see this in everything you do is that when people are overly responsible it's a very almost one focus on everything that you have to do that comes with being responsible so there are going to be areas of their life that are a little bit out of balance so making sure that they have some extra self-care and taking time out and unwinding to get to relieve that pressure of the responsibility pattern and and it can be as simple as being present with the family or getting out in nature you know just or doing something that fulfills them that's a completely different activity so that they can recalibrate their energy and just get that little bit more balance in their life to negate that stress of always being so responsible and I'm sure your athletes or I'm sure you're great at teaching them or ensuring that they have downtime too and a good support team on their side is so important as well. So important. And Mandy, I know you mentioned, I think last time that you love values and I'd love to hear how you best integrate that into self-care because I, I think that's just such an important component is people having self-care that's connected to what's really important, what their values are. And I think sometimes that's where maybe some people miss the boat as they might go with the generic sort of self-care that might not even feel good for them anyway. Yeah. So what's your experience with, with that side of things? Cool. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah, first of all, we'll elicit all the values. I do it at three different levels. So people get super clear as to what is really important to them. So 
let's say we have someone whose family is their number one value and they're struggling with exercise. Well, occasionally when we have a discussion, we can map across that in actual fact, if they can do something with their family when they're exercising, then they're doing what's important, connecting with their family and exercising. So one client ended up um, getting bikes for the family. I think some of them did. And every Sunday, they go on a bike ride together. So that was a simple way of having more connection, spending more time with family that was super important and moving a bit. So we need to make sure that the self-care has a connection with their top values. I had a client once who said, I don't do self-care. I don't like massage and I don't want to get my nails done. So it's like, well, what else can you do? And it turned out that they absolutely loved to cook and weren't doing it. So when they realized that going in the kitchen and creating up a feast fulfilled them, they realized that that was perfectly okay as their component of self-care. And probably one that you don't see listed a lot around the place is cooking. No. But why not be a hobby? It doesn't always have to be the relaxation-based stuff. And and sometimes you can just work up to the relaxation stuff if it's not your jam. Yeah, as long as you have a few minutes. I mean, when I say that, my husband loves to cook and he's in his happy place. When he's creating, he's fulfilled, he's in flow, which is great. So some people like to paint and that is self-care because they're in a different energy and they're not overusing their brain and they're in another capacity. But as well as that, I always teach my clients the importance of pausing and breathing because we all know that's super important, but for many reasons. So So, Mandy, when you were competing, Mm -hmm. did you have a self-care that worked best for you back then? Yeah. You had three sports in one (laughs) and and ultra distances. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, in those days, I have to admit, I had a certain amount of self-care, but I'm not sure it was a topic that that had a name on it called self-care back then. And I had a full-time job and I was in sales. So obviously I had to go out and about and go out and about and do my job and everything else. So I think part of our self-care was I had regular massage and we had one day off a week where we didn't train. So in those days, that was my day off. That was when I just could relax. I had to work but I could blob at night or, you know, just do something different. Yeah, the other thing that I really put down as self-care in those days was the camaraderie of our team. So occasionally we'd all have coffee after training or we'd have a social event at a weekend after training. So to me, that was my self-care and I probably spent a little bit of time, I didn't do much in it, but a little bit of time out in my garden, just being in nature. It just normalizes how you can have such different arrays of things that you can do as self-care. I think sometimes it's disguised or sometimes it's too prescriptive to one or two particular things that uh, people rave about doing, but it's just, it always come back to you, always come back to your values. Mm. If, If you're struggling with what your values are, you can even just simply go on type in list of values and Mm. there's a lot of really good pages and it's just a list of like 50 different values and you can go through and just look at them all and choose which ones really resonate with you and maybe circle them and and then if you need to you know maybe narrow down those ones just highlight them afterwards and that might be a little bit of a clue for you like just if you want to do it by yourself it might be a bit of a clue for you of you know what really makes your heart sing what really makes your your cup fill up and sometimes we get so busy in life that we 
step away from those things. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great idea. And the one thing I would just add that I see all the time, have a look at your values, but make sure you can explain what that means to you. Often when I go through values with my clients, they struggle. They think they know in their head. And when it comes to explaining what it means to them, they can't explain it, which just means they don't totally own it. So add that piece and then that's brilliant. And then from there, it can be easy to find out, as you said, what makes your heart sing. You asked me, um, you know, what I did in my sports. Well, that was some time ago. So now having done sports for most of my life, my time in the morning is almost sacred. It's my time and that is my self-care. And it's so normal and natural. I go, it's my time to go to the beach or to go for a swim or whatever we do. And then a few other things that I do before I generally start work. And then my cup is fulfilled for the day and if I work late or something I'm perfectly okay with that but that's normal and natural because it was such a big part of my life so if it isn't normal and natural yet then you know start small and build it up and then one day stick with it one day it'll become a natural habit and then people will be even more fulfilled because they're filling up their cup first it's back to that airplane analogy Mm -hmm. with the oxygen mask isn't it now it feels really natural for you in the morning doing those routines and you've noticed that it can fulfill you during the day and up until the evening is that something where you had to trial and error yourself with different bits and pieces to know what's the best sort of morning routine for yourself Um, how did that come about well I think mine was a bit of a reverse one Dominic like all my life and for my years of doing triathlons it was normal that we got up early every day and trained so I had to do the reverse when I couldn't train anymore and I couldn't do my sport I had this big gap in my life and I didn't know what to do with it so then of course you have to experience the opposite so then I had a time when I didn't do my sport in the morning and you try and find other things and it was messy so I ended up getting back to well, look, my time is the morning time but I don't necessarily now go and do the things I used to do. Sometimes I will go to the beach and I will have a swim or something gentle, maybe a walk, and then we'll go for a coffee. So most of the time I do some exercise, but I had to change it, which took me many years from having to go and do something to it's okay not to go and exercise as long as I'm outside in nature and I see the ocean. Mm. So that's interesting. And you're still able to then fulfill one of your values of being outside and being in nature. Yeah, yeah. I've always loved nature and, I, and I've worked out that if I don't have time in nature and move my body, I don't function as well mentally and I want to be the very best I can. So I mm. consider it a vital component of maintaining my energy and for me being the very best I can for other people and in my business and my family. That's such a really good point and valuing being like that mentally strong and the best that you can be. So that's a, that's a pr- pretty big purpose and a pretty big big why for you then to to prioritize that time for yourself yeah and and I'm fortunate that I have yet I see a lot of other you know highly successful entrepreneurs and business owners who tell me I always used to do sport I loved it and then life changes they have their business they get responsibilities with family and kids and all of a sudden they're not doing it anymore and they wonder why there's a bit of frustration or getting a bit flat and deflated so somehow we have to refine the connection with what they'd like to do and find a time to add a little bit of it back in their day or their week. 
which can be a challenge. Yes. I'd imagine sometimes a little bit of a pushback in that area. I know I've had a little bit of a pushback because I think as particularly if you've had that fixation on your sport, like you were mentioning, and you might not get that same fulfillment as you get in that area, but you might get a different fulfillment that still really does fill your cup up in a different way. And then you get used to that and you enjoy that, or you might actually transfer that to something else where you do get that same sort of buzz. Uh, There's a whole world out there of different things. So it's, you know, nice to explore and try those new things. Yeah. And and you've got to work out what it is for you. As you say, there's so many different ways and things that people can do. And some people who are high performers need some type of goal associated with their day and time too, to to give them that impetus to get going. Not everyone, but that can also be Mm. what do you want to achieve if you do go and get back into exercise again? It can be a small. What's interesting too, is like one sport that can be your achievement orientation at that pressure you might be doing it as your career can also be something that that can be your self-care and that's something that I found through my own experiential play around and that is running where running to me back in the days I put a lot of emphasis and a lot of time into running like a lot on like paces and the this and the that and I'd always listen to uh, the same song before I ran every time and it would like really pump me up and it was like really good lyrics and you know I'd really put emphasis on you have to do the best you have to do better than yesterday but then I've also have those runs where I actually complete flip side put mindfulness music on and just completely don't even take my watch and just run and breathe and just feel that calmness run at a low heart rate look around at the trees go into the trails and it's a whole completely different thing so it could be something that you're doing already but then you can just adapt to that and make sure that you're getting fulfilled yeah hey that's such a good point because I think what a lot of people forget to do Dominique is they forget to be present which means you can actually go out in nature without having to run a race and you could have a, a gentle walk you know in the hinterland here or on the beach and totally enjoy and be fulfilled and see things that you've never seen before because most people aren't present they're thinking about their busy day or the responsibilities they have so that's such a brilliant point you brought up you obviously go mindfully running yet people can just do something mindfully and enjoy it and they can be pretty fulfilled at the end of it because it will be like opening up another world. They'll see things that they've not noticed. Totally. And and it can come down to as simple as connecting with your senses in the moment or what you can see and hear and and taste and touch or it can be what are you grateful for right now? I'm grateful that I'm moving my legs and I'm grateful that I'm out of nature and that can sometimes center you as well. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And I think that touches on a whole, it's totally related but a whole new topic we'll leave that one for another day but it comes back to that thing (laughs) when you think of people being overly responsible the common thread is they sometimes forget to connect with what's important and connect with themselves and connect with the things around them so it's almost like one of the antidotes to being over responsible would be to connect with the simple pleasures in life again and I think everybody could use a little bit of that or or most people could use a little bit more of that when you look around I mean what our attention span I think I mentioned last time is about eight seconds so how how easy is it to be pulled off 
tracked by a thought, never mind anything else in the world around us. So to give ourselves the gift of enjoying the moment in its simplest form, I think could be a very simple and profound method of self-care. It's a nice reminder to hear that for people, I think, because there's so many things out there selling really expensive self-care things, which are all great. I'm sure there's so many really awesome things. I mean, I can't talk. I like going to float tanks and things like that and just feeling really pampered. It's it's so nice. But like you said, it's a lot of the time it's coming back to like simple and a lot of those things are actually free. They're right in front of you if you want to access them. It's just giving yourself that time and that care and that's really important to, to do. And I think it's really hard to do that and to feel your stress levels and arousal levels and stuff to go down if you're not actually taking care of basic needs. Like have you got shelter? Have you got water? Have you got food? Have you got connections? All those really basic things is really important to look at as well as mm. those extra things. So if you're focusing on those 1% sort of things that might be, you know, what really sort of elite athletes might be doing or really high performers might be doing and it's really inspiring to see all these different self-care methodologies and stuff, make sure that you're actually ticking off the really basic stuff first because otherwise it's not going to really do much. It'll kind of be the surface level stuff. Like you can go to a salt cave and you can go to a meditation every once in a while, but if you're, if you're your basic stuff's not there, it's not going to do too much. You are so right. And I guess in this very technologically driven way I'm one of the few people I have a watch but I, I have a lot of clients um, who work with an amazing guy I work with and they've all got these fancy pantsy watches and you can get aura rings but the good thing about them is that you can track your stress levels now you can track your sleep I believe some of them track your REM sleep and they also track when your when your stress levels are low because your heart's coherent from your heart rate so mm. you know some people like to have measurements and you can now do that by tracking by wearing I guess a watch they will sleep with it which I don't like to do but hey, you can then get really good data, which shows, oh my goodness me, I went for that walk and look at my heart rate. My stress levels did come down or my heart rate went down. So I guess that's another good and bad. I find them exceptional, particularly if you're if you're measuring things and it's needed and some mm. athletes have to have it as part of their contract. Where I found it interesting the other day is my best friend wears one of those and she was looking at her data and it said, you're going to get sick because her all her numbers were kind of down. Now that makes me question, I, it, mm, what does that do does that make does that actually make you sick by knowing that you might be getting sick is it better to know or not know sometimes you can see more without the data for example you know even watching a court session or a game like I could read the data but I also could just read the room and sometimes on a on a run you might feel really good while you're running but then your watch tells you hey you're actually running slower than normal like I've had a run recently and I thought I was on top of the world I felt so great and then I looked at my watch and in big letters that said underproductive <laughs> and I was like that's really rude <laughs> and, and that opens you know that whole other can of worms I mean we need to use technology can be wonderful and we mustn't rely on it so I guess it comes down to us to put the meaning on it we want if you're going to go into a spin mm. because it says you're about to get sick and we know the placebo effect if you think you will you will and if you think you won't you won't but we yeah. have to be very careful totally. you know, it's like AI they say oh it's going to take all our jobs away well I read the other day human intelligence plus artificial intelligence can get superhuman intelligence and the mm. message I took mm. from that is we must use it smartly and wisely mm. and not rely on it like like relying on somebody that you don't really know to give you all your advice in the world when you don't trust them yet 
So I think mm, we must remember mm. it's a tool and totally. we, must, we must use it carefully. And I'm sure there's pros and cons on either side, but it can, I think some people who have an incredible oversense of responsibility, if they don't measure their stress levels or what's happening internally to their heart rate, I would imagine that that could be a fabulous tool for them to get a real picture of what is happening. Oh, you only got X hours sleep the other night and most of that you weren't really sleeping peacefully. Then it mm-hmm. shows all the negative impacts of stress and responsibility, which can be a really good factor to help people make some changes in their lives. Totally. I've got two points on that one. One of them's funny. I was camping the other day with my friend and I could see in the distance that there was like lightning, there was an obvious storm. And I said, oh, we might have to zip the tent up because there's a storm here. The rain's probably going to be here any moment. Like I can see the lightning. And there's like giant storm clouds. I've got photos of it. I'll have to send them to you. It's so funny. Like it's a proper storm coming. Her response back to me was, oh, no, it's okay. The radar says it's clear. And I said, but, you know, <laughs> there's lightning like <laughs> right in front of us. So that's like one example outside of sport where you can rely a lot on, on technology. And then uh, my second one there, to, my second point to this was when I was at my best at running, I had my routine. It was really simple. It was the exact same. I didn't know much about shoes, but I was was pretty comfortable. Now I look back on the paces and stuff and it's a pace that I would really love to be at now, which I'm not at, but I think sometimes you can get information overload. Of course, it's very different with elite level, but your standard athlete or you know developmental athlete, a lot of the time it can take away how you're actually feeling in your body and how present you are in your body because you're then so focused on that that you're not actually enjoying what you're doing. You know, you're always trying to make it performance-based instead of actually coming back to the root of enjoyment. Listening to your body is super important and doing what you want to do out of value. Uh, You you are so right. And look, it can detract you know, technical things and other things can detract from the moment. And it sort of reminds me of, of a moment. I've been very fortunate to have traveled to Africa quite a few times. Nothing to do with sports, by the way, everybody, to go to Africa. And obviously part of the attraction is to go animal viewing. And I've been privileged to be some phenomenal places. And there is nothing better than being out there in the wild watching animals yet on a, on several occasions I've been and there's been other people with us who are mad keen photographers or it's a trip of a lifetime and they must catch it on film and they're mm. so fixated with looking through the lens of the camera to get that perfect shot of that lion chasing another one or eating or whatever that they miss the other things around them so mm. I would find quite often that I, I wouldn't take pictures because you can miss so much as you say by by having one focus and one fixation totally that's so relatable and last night I went and climbed Q1. Q1 is that really tall building in the Gold Coast and I think it's 280 meters and then they have this other like extension part on top of it which makes it like 300 and whatever meters so it's one of the tallest in the southern hemisphere so I went and climbed that for fun yesterday but I'll tell you what was like quite uncomfortable and it relates to your story you just said they they said you can't take any phones any cameras any even GoPros nothing you can't take any cameras up when you go up and I was like whoa I feel like really naked like just wearing this jumps like oversized 
jumpsuit and you're looking at the one of the best views I've ever seen and now I need to get sponsored by Q1. I think I, I deserve another one for, for saying that. <laughs> and, and so I'm climbing this like exceptionally beautiful tower overlooking the most beautiful site. I'm watching the sunset. It's stunning. It's starting to get dark. I'm seeing all the little lights flickering of all the different buildings and I'm thinking I'm not getting any photos of this. And I thought that the person taking us would take tons of photos, but we're almost at the top and she hadn't taken one photo. So, and then like, it wasn't until she got properly to the top, she had to like unlink herself, put her into some, put herself onto some other sort of railing, some sort of safety railing is that then she got the camera out and started taking photos and she took heaps of photos. And we, I ended up buying like 50 something photos. So she took heaps and heaps of photos, but it was that moment of like, well, what do I do? And, but I'll tell you what, Mandy, just like you said, you really take it in differently if you're not behind that lens. It, it was just, just a magical, it was peaceful, it was beautiful and I was really trying to take it in as much as possible and I um, think people should do that, yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, I haven't done that yet so can I come with you next time, please? <laughs> I've seen Oh, it. yeah, definitely. You, I, I, I really recommend it. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a that's a great story and I think that lens is, is really interesting because, mm. you know, whether you're an athlete and you're so fixated on winning and that performance, we have to stop and look around us. You know, we have to have other focuses as well. Otherwise, you know, you've got to be obsessive if you ever want to be an Olympian and an elite athlete. You have to be. You have to be fixated, but we mustn't lose sure. sight of what's important. And a, a swim coach I used to know said, in his um in his athletes and he coached olympians he always said you have to have three legs to your stool mm. who is going to support you when you do a poor performance and who will be there when you do a good one it's the same people it's your your support crew that you must hold on to and if everything went pear shaped and you got injured and this was taken away from you what is another interest now you might not have time to study it but what else is your plan b just in case and it and it really helped people keep that perspective so they weren't just focus through that one camera lens on one thing only. That's important. And if you're listening to this thinking, who's on my stool? I think, yeah, you got to maybe really think who's there. Like you said, the good and the bad times. That's a really important point. What's that solid foundation you've got to lean on? We're all responsible. But when it comes back to the topic of people being overly responsible, sometimes they feel really bad if they let themselves or others down. And that's when they have to come back to what is really important. Who are the people that are still going to be there to support them when they need that extra little bit of help and I think mm. that's very important for people who are overly responsible they they need to know who's on their side and they do need a good support team whether it's one person or, or many otherwise they're doing over responsible and everything else on their own and that's when it can get a bit tough and I think those sort of people too are probably over generalization but probably more likely to look like they're really really strong got it together and they're really good at masking it as well because they're a leader or because they put the responsibility on their shoulders so they don't maybe ask for help and things like that but I think it's really important to check in on those people like you said like have that support people but and allow them to support sometimes just knowing if you are that support person it's knowing that hey that person might need you to actually check in even though they look like a pillar of strength it's those people often who need the help the most just because they give so much doesn't mean that you can't go and give to them and support them absolutely I remember yeah. that one very well I call them my was it the chocolates hard on the outside but soft and gooey in the middle 
<laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everyone needs like connection and love and support, don't they? Yeah. I like that analogy. It's very true. They probably are very soft. They're the little caramel, the caramel chocolates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think finally on, on that one, whether you're overly responsible or not, it's as you just mentioned, it's making sure they ask for help, which I know isn't always easy. I have a client now and I reached out to her. I knew I intuited she needed help and she was so glad I did, but she wasn't going to reach out because she has to tough it out on her own because it's her habit we're working on it but it's important that you do start practicing asking for help totally I've spoken to a couple of athletes recently and both of them were like yeah look I'll be I'll admit I was avoiding you and I'm like why and one of them was like I don't want to ask for help and the other one's like I don't want to have to feel those those feelings that come up because I know you'll poke them or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah but as as we say I love it's not some of this isn't mine but it's you know what we run away from chases us what we Mm. bury comes after us so true um what we resist persist yet what we befriend we transcend i added that Mm. bit on i I like that one so we have to make best friends with our fears otherwise they stay there and fester but once we befriended them we can transcend them what you you can't heal what you don't see i think as well well you don't you can't yeah something like that i I always butcher quotes (laughs) i love quotes but i butcher them every time i (laughs) go to say it out loud that's right you just have to create your own up anyway absolutely to summarize a little bit of what we have spoken about it's really important to know what your focus is and what your responsibilities are and I think with athletes there's probably key ones that come up and same with like executives and business people and everyday person there'll be things that come up that you know hey that's my responsibility and I know that and that's what you know that's my role in life and that's okay but balancing that with self-care is so important but say with an athlete it might be they focus on developing and improving their skills they they focus on punctuality for the team for example I know that's a big one in team sport how coachable they are and how well they're communicating with the team but then how well are they actually taking feedback from the team or the coaches or and also how well are they taking feedback from themselves and I guess take ownership take ownership not only for the responsibilities that you do have but take ownership for if you are actually struggling and take ownership like Mandy and I were saying to actually go and get that support where you need take ownership where you need to have self-care and one really big advice I'd say there for self-care is if you're asking yourself like how do you know when you actually need self-care well then you might have missed the essence of what self-care is because self-care is it's needed always whether you're feeling really bad and burnt out and feeling like your performance is lacking and things like that or if you're actually on top of the world self-care is equally as important it's really really important if there's there could be signs there that tell you that you're not doing so well that we've touched on today and other areas might be feeling irritable and run down and not not having that balance like we touched on feeling overwhelmed feeling overworked but don't wait until that point like Mandy and I was saying it's super important to have that self-care you can probably hear how passionate I am in that area (laughs) (laughs) yeah I quite agree I'm with you you summarized that that fantastically so that's great oh thank you Oh, one thing I did miss in, in that summary is come back to your values. Like we were saying, Mandy had some great ideas there. So skip back to that point if you need to. Of Come back to your values. Come back to what's really important to you Yeah, and yeah the when only, you're doing it. The only other bit on that now is that when you come back to your values to make sure that you have the time to live by your values, the other great question when you're overly responsible is what 
could I let go of? There's mm, always that's a good point. yeah. There's always areas that we can let go of to make space to do the things that fulfil that little bit more, and that frees up a bit of energy because there's always something we can let go of, and it might just be a thought on why they're responsible, or when they unpack it, it could be because they realise it was something their parents instilled in them. Could you let go of that old past belief that's still there, or that that the reason that you're doing it in the beginning? So it could be a tangible letting go of it, an actual task or a duty, or it could be something within their in their thinking and feeling. Super good point. Of course, it's what you can get rid of as well. Do you know what? When I got an accountant, <laughs> it was the the single best thing I did. <laughs> <laughs> to let go of numbers, it was just incredible. I'll tell you what, it frees up so much time. But, you know, you'll everyone will have their version of what is your bugbear that you need to get rid of. That's right. Remember, yeah. mine was ironing. <laughs> yeah, your, yours is ironing. <laughs> get rid of ironing, make your life so much better. But, hey, I have a great accountant. He does my he does my books and he does my baths for me. I do it, but he reconciles it all because I make a bit of a mess of it and it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay to not do everything, hey. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we've covered some really good bases today. So I'll put a link down the bottom, which will be to values, different values. So have a look through those and maybe do what Mandy and I were chatting about if you wanted to really work out what they are to you, what really stands out and some self-care ideas as well. So I'll include a couple of those and I've also got where you can find Mandy's website and information is going to be linked as well. So any questions as always, you can email down at the link admin at outoftheboxperformance.com.au and if you've got any particular questions for Mandy, do please send those on. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for listening to Out of the Box Performance. Thank you for having me on it was great fun as always and i look forward to the next one me too thanks for listening to another episode of the out of the box performance podcast if you enjoyed this episode please share it around to catch all the latest from us you can jump on instagram and follow us at out of the box performance thanks again and we'll see you next time